Great science fiction is about more than escapist fantasies of starships and exotic aliens fighting battles in distant galaxies beyond our solar system. In the proper hand, science fiction can help us reimagine our own reality in subversive ways, provide insightful social commentary about the real world we inhabit every day. Augmented, Volume 1, is a new collection of great science fiction stories that invite us to take a closer look at ourselves and the world around us. Our contributors examine the futility of war, the dangers of xenophobia, the importance of caring for our environment, the risks associated with technology, the rise of artificial intelligence, and they remind us of all the ways we can lose our humanity if we're not careful. These 19 stories are thrilling, mind-bending, frightening, thought-provoking, and sometimes hilarious snapshots of life in at least one of our possible futures. We hope you find something to love about all of them. Augmented, Volume 1, a short story anthology of great science fiction stories available now on Amazon. If the Bible's got you tied in knots If you're burdened with religious thoughts Come grab a drink and join the choir It's Heretic Happy Hour Why, yes, it is the Heretic Happy Hour podcast And we are so, so excited to have you back uh, As we are continuing this series, Too Fab for Florida and uh, we can't wait to jump into it. Uh, but let's do some introductions first before we do that. My name is Keith Giles. I am the author of the Jesus Un series of books on deconstruction and reconstruction. And then my latest book, Second Cup with Keith. If you like my podcast, you'll love the new book. We cover all the different topics, um, all your questions about the Bible, clobber passages, um, hell, the atonement, you name it. It's really cool. Check it out on Amazon. I am joined by my co-hosts. Um, say hello, everybody. Introduce yourselves. December, Shonda, Katie, and sometimes Matt. Hey, everyone. This is Katie Valentine. I'm the host of the Metaphysical Christian Facebook community where we talk about all things woo. I'm so excited uh, for today's topic. I'm just going to give everyone a little preview from the best chapter in the whole Bible, 1 Corinthians 7. And this is verse 9, where it says, it's better to marry than to be aflame with passion. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little preview of what Flame. we're going to be talking about. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is your girl, December Rose, and I am the author of The Church Can Go to Hell and a couple of other thought-provoking and flippant books. And I'm happy to be on here talking about uh, our very special guests. You will absolutely enjoy them. I am Shonda. You can find me on Substack, where I have a newsletter on joy in justice. And my big claim to fame is that I was in a guest room in a house in Massachusetts just after our guest for today. Cool. They said they changed the oh, sheets, wow. but they didn't. They didn't <laughs> make it sound very convincing. So I may have slept in the sheets of our guest. Okay. Okay. All right. All and right. I, I am sometimes Matt. I am excited again to get back into being too fab for Florida. We did a four parter and now we got, I think we got four more and uh, this will be kicking us off. But before we do all that, I just want to remind everyone that this show is crowdfunded by lovely listeners like you. And the way that they do that is through Patreon. It is patreon.com slash heretic happy hour. First off, shout out to everyone who has done that. And secondly, want to invite you um, to that wonderful way to support this show. When you do, you unlock a lot of cool shit. Um, December, how did you describe it? The 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 corner of the macaroni, all the ooey gooeyness. Yes. yes, the corner um, of the macaroni. That's what we got over there. So again, it's patreon.com slash heretic happy hour. 
uh, we just ask that everyone considers doing that. And we are thrilled to be picking back up the Two Fab for Florida series. You may remember that we started this because there are so many assaults right now on the rights of queer and trans folks and drag queens. And also, we know that you as listeners don't just uh, want to know about the trauma, but also the amazing gifts and graces and wisdom of the queer and trans community. And so we're lifting those voices up during this series and particularly in this episode. Today we have not a heretic, but a co-host. You may have heard her music. If you haven't, you're going to have the chance in the episode. So we are welcoming to the table, Flamie Grant. It's the heretic of the week. Hi, I'm Flamie Grant. I am the shame-slaying, hip-swaying, singing, songwriting drag queen, and I have been called a heretic, a heathen, a blasphemer, an apostate, all of the above. Hi, Flamie. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for having me. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for being here. That was that was the most fabulous introduction ever. Heretic <laughs> Plus. Um, <laughs> okay, so Flamey, we just want to get right into it. Uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up performing as a Christian drag queen and musician. Mm, how much time do we have? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, I mean, I grew up in Western North Carolina outside Asheville and Uh, Grew up very fundamentalist, very evangelical, and but also very musical. And so I've been writing songs my whole life. Um, I started out, you know, writing songs for church, worship songs, things like that, and um, and then uh, was kind of just doing the singer songwriter thing for a while in my twenties. And meanwhile bopping around churches as a worship leader, as a church planter. Uh, I've been I've been worship leading for about 22 years and actually just last year that 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 chapter finally came to a close. At least that iteration or that version of worship leading came to a close. And um when pandemic came around, I found myself with lots and lots of free time because we were all sheltering in place at home and while everybody else was, uh, you know, getting sourdough starters and um, watching Tiger King, I was uh, watching <laughs> makeup tutorials and learning how to paint my face and learning how to style a wig and just kind of dabbling in the art of drag that I had been, um, uh, well, drawn to as a as a little kid, like as a as a as a child, um, before that had all kind of been corrected out of me and I'm using air quotes um, corrected out of me by, by the culture I was being brought up in. And um, you know, so I started to reconnect with that kid uh, when pandemic started just painting my face in my bedroom. And before I knew it, I had like TikTok videos going viral and I had decided to blend my songwriting with my drag and flamey grant was, was born and my life's not been the same since. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so you um, you say that, uh, I, I read somewhere that you said becoming a heathen is what saved you. And I'm wondering if you could elaborate a little bit more on that. Mm. Well, I think what I probably meant by that <laughs> is that um, I, I was suffocating in evangelicalism. I was, I was really struggling. Um, it's not a a great place for, uh, queer kids, for queer people. 
and I had, you know, a really long coming out journey. It started in my early 20s. Honestly, even in my late teens, I think I was the first friend I ever came out to. Um, but it was, you know, coming out as like, well, I struggle. I struggle with same-sex attraction and I want to change. And mm-hmm. I enrolled in conversion therapy and I did that for five years. And then I committed to being single and celibate when I decided that conversion therapy wasn't going to work. And then I finally, by the time I was 28, um, moved up, moved into a space of, excuse me, of um, knowing that I am who I am and that uh, I'm loved as I am and I'm worthy as I am and started dating. And Mm. uh, I have completely forgotten the question I'm answering. (laughs) (laughs) You said becoming a heathen saved you. Oh, 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 right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that that whole journey was part of my move towards heathenism. And um, in 2017, I started a podcast called Heathen, actually, um, Mm -hmm. where I I do probably very similar to what y'all do here. And I had guests every week, and I would just talk to them about their deconstruction. We didn't really have that buzzword uh, around that time that that was coming around a little bit later. But, um, you know, for me, it was it was apostasy. It was... um, the unmaking of your faith, investigating all your inherited beliefs, that kind of thing, and trying to find out what remains and what works and what uh, is spiritually beneficial to you and makes you feel like a whole happy human being. And so through through five seasons of conversations with folks in that podcast, I think that's really when I uh, embrace that that identity of heathen and um, yeah. and it meant for me it meant, finding community with people who were also outcasts from evangelicalism um, or or any high demand religion. We talked to people who, who came out of all kinds of religious backgrounds. Um, and, and it was um, just for the first time, like admitting and owning truths about myself, my relationship to my faith, what I think about God. And um, it's it saved me in terms of I think if I had continued down the path of evangelicalism or trying to turn myself straight or even just being single and celibate, I would not have, I would have ended up in a really dark place. And um, a lot of queer kids do. And we know that we know we have the data on that. And, you know, I was one of those kids who had uh, suicidal ideations. I uh, had ideas of self-harm and, um, and that is a direct result of, the evangelicalism that I grew up in and, and how oppressive it was. So um, leaving all that behind, AKA becoming a heathen is, is definitely what saved me from that fate and um, ultimately brought me back, you know, to a, a, a place where I can embrace a spirituality that works for me and that um, does not feel oppressive. Yeah. Wow. I am so glad that you chose life and love for yourself over religion. <laughs> but I am curious about something. Yes. <laughs> How did a hip swing, um, a shame slinging, a drag queen from the Bible Belt of North Carolina end up with a number one spot on the iTunes Christian charts? <laughs> Christian people who ain't swinging their hips yeah, and no. slaying and, and, and doing and carrying on can't get there. No. I'm gonna try. How did you get there? <laughs> 
Uh, I, um, oh boy, that is a fun story. So I, I, I put out my album last year in, in 2022, October of 2022. And uh, it's called Bible Belt Baby. And I had really, you know, I had poured my heart and soul into this thing and, and I'm really proud of it and I loved it. And it had done all right for an independent artist, their first record. Um, it had done, done respectably. I was, I was very pleased, you know. Um, and then this past summer, July, 2023, um, Derek Webb, who is a singer songwriter and musician from the band Caveman's Call, which was a big, they were a big selling band, Christian band back in the day in the, like the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, he and I have become friends and he's got a, um, uh, he's had a solo career for a while now and he had a, a record coming out and an album release party in Nashville for that record. And he asked me to come uh, open that, that party for him. So I came out and I did a few songs and we sang a song together and then we took some pictures and one of those pictures made it onto the internet and made it in front of a person by the name <laughs> of Sean Foyt who is a uh, self-described MAGA worship leader. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's, you know, aligned himself with the, the far right, the Christian nationalist mm-hmm. uh, version of this thing, that the spirituality that so many of us um, are attempting to <laughs> navigate. And he posted that photo and said, oh, it's the end times. This is the end goal of deconstruction. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> A, a drag queen and a Christian musician <laughs> collaborating. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I'm a drag queen. So I got a little cheeky and I said, oh, end goal, baby, baby. No, we are just getting started. And he wrote, <laughs> <laughs> he wrote back. Um, what did he say? He said, uh, it's a good thing. No one listens to you or cares what you do. Ooh. Yeah. So if you if you say that to a drag queen, you just be better better be ready for how she's gonna respond because <laughs> I took it as a challenge and yep, I right. went I went to my uh, my little TikTok base of people and I said, hey y'all, here's what's going on. Uh, we've got this guy who doesn't think that anybody cares about uh, you know the the music I'm making about the the voice I have in this world in Christianity and. Um, and I don't know, what do y'all think, basically, is what I said. And and I had that album, that album had already been out for 10 months. So I had a, I had the perfect song just sitting there. It's called Good Day. Uh, and it's a duet, actually, with Derek Webb. He's on that track with me. And it's a worship song for all intents and pur- purposes. It's a song I wrote for the last church that I was leading music at. And I wrote it for for queer folks, by queer folks. Like, it, it came out of a, a small group session uh, for, for an LGBTQ plus, uh, like Bible study essentially. Mm-hmm. And we had been singing that song at my church for years. And so I had put it on this record and I was like, how about we try and see if good day, if we can get good day to chart on the iTunes Christian charts. Um, and that means y'all all got to go out and spend 99 cents. Like it's 2004. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but they did. They did. They went out and they spent their 99 cents and we watched Good Day climb. And then we watched the whole album climb. And the album mm. actually, the, Good Day was only number one for like three hours <laughs> one day mm. in July. But the album, Bible Belt Baby, went to number one and stayed there for nine days in the summer. Wow. So as you can imagine, that was the first time a drag queen had ever had a presence on the Christian <laughs> charts, much less made it to number one. So it caused yep. quite a little kerfuffle. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. 
that's really cool. All right, I need a little timeline clarification um, as well. So it, it sounds like you departed kind of your your evangelical church a while a while back, but you've been a worship leader and you've been involved in church um, yeah. as a worship leader until really recently. Um, and I'm just kind of curious if you can tell us a little bit about that transition or like what kind of church were you attending? Were you still at an evangelical church until recently? Yeah, no, um, I did. I did leave evangelical church in it. Well, in 2008, really, when I fully came out and started dating, I had my first boyfriend in 2008. And what what had happened was I was uh, the worship leader. I had helped start this church in San Diego. I was the worship leader there. I was on the leadership team. We had been doing it for five years. It was a small church. We had like a hundred hundred folks. You know, never never really more than a hundred folks. And um, I was very much like my journey of self discovery and uh, accepting my queer identity and all these things was very much part of my life in that church. Like I would talk about it in my weekly small groups. Like all my friends were in that church and knew what was going on with me. I was best friends with the pastor and his wife and, you know, hung out with them regularly. Everybody knew what was going on. And um, I even at one point, like started, tried to start a nonprofit that I just never got off the ground, but I I was calling it the second guess, like, like, like let's second guess the way we've approached this topic of homosexuality in the evangelical church. So it was very much a, a, a feature of my presence in this church. And I made the assumption, and we all know what assuming does, um, but I made the assumption that uh, everybody in my, in my close, all my close confidants there had kind of moved with me on this journey and had like also arrived at a place where they were like, yeah, you know what, uh, Matthew, that's my government name. Matthew should be able to date and should be able to have the same kind of life that, that we all get to have as straight people. And um, so you know, I came out joyfully and I was, I was very ready and excited, but it turned out about half the church wasn't quite there, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, including my best friends and the pastors. So, um, I, I, you know, there's different ways to say it. Like I stepped down that kind of thing, but ultimately I I was not going to be permitted to lead worship in that church anymore. So I stepped down and, um, I kind of hung around for about seven months. I stayed there as a butt in a seat, which is not a thing I do. I'm not, I'm not a butt in a seat anywhere, baby. Like yeah. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta participate. I gotta help make the thing. Like I'm, yeah. I just, that's not, not my personality. So it was really hard to just sit there and watch this church that I helped start. Um, suddenly was just like, oh, okay. You know, he's not in uh, a, a leadership anymore. Um, and uh, we're, we're all good now. Like you can, you can attend queer people can attend, but you can't lead us. You can't make church for us. Um, and it was disappointing to watch how that all played out. So that was really the last time I was in an evangelical church. And even that one, I don't know, I guess you would call it evangelical. I didn't, it was mild. It was light years away from the church I grew up in, but as it turned out, you know, ultimately still seemed to abide by a lot of the same ideologies. And um, from there, I went and worked for a, uh, a Methodist UMC church for about a year and then found my way into another new church plant in San Diego that was very much progressive Christianity and, um, you know, very inclusive, very intentionally and openly affirming all of the things. Good. And that I was there for eight and a half years. That was, that was my last church. Um, and it actually ended at the end of pandemic. Um, it, it, 
it was kind of a casualty of a pandemic. So it's not around anymore, but it was a, it was a very lovely place and really successful community for eight and a half years. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Sharing that journey and kind of how you navigated uh, your own, your, you know, your own spiritual and and Christian Jesus following identity. Um, Now we have to ask Flamey Grant. It feels like there's a story there. Is there a story about (laughs) how this name came into existence? I mean, it's a pretty simple story. I love Amy Grant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Amy's children are glad right now. (laughs) I adore me some Amy Grant. Um, Uh You know, I wasn't allowed to listen to anything other than contemporary Christian music. Whatever I could find at our local Christian bookstore. That's what I was allowed to listen to growing up. And so she was diva for me you know like mm-hmm. every little every little gay boy has their diva and amy was mine and um honestly it was laying around watching drag race one night with my husband um and i turned to him and i was like what do you have a drag name i've never thought about a drag name like what's yours and he was like oh yeah i've got a drag name it's amanda do it and um <laughs> amanda do it <laughs> yeah delightful um, and I was like, well, I want one. And I liked all the names that were puns on celebrity names, you know, like sure. uh, a, a Shaka Convict and um, <laughs> Tina Burner, James Mansfield, that kind of thing. So I was like, yes. well, I want one of those. I want a name that's a pun on, you know, my diva. And just that. So the words, the word flamey just came out and, and my husband laughed and he doesn't have any of the religious trauma that I had. He didn't grow up in that world. He just, he just know the first thing about evangelicalism. So I was like, well, if he's laughing, I know there's a whole generation of youth group kids who are going to love that name. And I went that night and I just like reserved the handle on Instagram. And, um, you know, I was like, I might do something with this one day. And I did. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. So I've got to ask now a follow up. Um, Has the actual, the real Amy Grant, your namesake, uh, do do you know, is she aware that you have borrowed (laughs) her name? And then do you know what she thinks about that? Yes, um, she is aware. I have not spoken with her directly. I've spoken with a few people in her circle. Um, and uh, th- what I do know is that, um, well, she's she's got a, my vinyl signed by me in her house. Someone oh, came, good. yeah, someone came to one of my shows, bought a vinyl, and asked me to sign it to Amy Grant. And I was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> um, and, and this person was a friend of, of Amy and Vince and, uh, was like, yeah, I want to take her a vinyl. Uh, so I know that, I know that my music is sitting in her house, which is a wild thing go. for me to know. Um, but I, I, all, everything I've heard has been pretty positive that, that the yeah. team is kind of like, you know, gets it and they know it's an homage and, um, yes. are kind of cheering me on from from where they are so i hope i get to meet her one day that's that's an absolute dream that would be great bucket list i feel so. like i feel like i've got the angels watching over me song kind of running in the background of my mind right yes. now and i feel like the two of you could do this as a duet Ooh, i yeah. really want that to happen no <laughs> i'm like very very invested in this whatever i can do to help mm-hmm. manifest <laughs> yeah. yes 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 <laughs> Well, we yeah. just heard what one of your goals are is to <laughs> maybe perform with Amy Grant one day. Um, beyond that, what would be some of your dreams and goals uh, as a performer? Do you want to make um, 
more music? Do you want to get like super like Beyonce famous? Or do, you, <laughs> do you hope to change hearts and minds with your music? What's your mission and what's your goal from yeah, here? Yeah, thank you. This is a lovely question. I definitely want to keep making music. I'm about to embark on uh, recording a new new album. Um, I do not want to be Beyonce level famous. That seems stressful. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I'm not equipped, but I would like for my message to be heard. Yeah. You know, I feel uh, the more I do it, the more I, the more pushback I get and the more I encounter from that, that crazy alt-right Christian nationalist version of evangelicalism that is unfortunately very politically powerful right now. I get a lot of pushback and I see every day, you know, comments from people who just are um, trapped in shame, you know, just absolutely um, owned by shame and and, and fear. And I'm like, these are not, these are not the signs of uh, liberation and freedom uh, that uh, Jesus spoke about, or that I have experienced in my life. um, And that I know so many other people have experienced in their lives. Like, I very much want to see more people liberated from the that 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 hold that grip of shame that that it's on their lives so yeah i would love for my music to be heard more i want to i just i want to make a living you know i want to be able to make a living yeah. doing this and and i as of two months ago this is my full-time job now so um wow. we're you know seeing how it goes right now and uh, <laughs> so so far so good um and yeah, I've got other dreams too, like some big things in the future. I would love to write a musical, like a Broadway musical one day. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, like the drag evangelical version of Book of Mormon. Like, I'd like to write that. <laughs> oh, that'd be <laughs> exciting. You could write the biography of Amy Grant as a musical. Oh, my gosh. Go. I hadn't even considered that one. That one's... But maybe an alternate reality where Amy Grant was, was a drag queen. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe she has a drag um like uh angel on her shoulder who like that's helps, right helps yes. carry her through her Ooh, ooh this yes. could be really fun yeah. working through the whole musical so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna scrap the rest of this podcast right and just start writing now aren't we? <laughs> let's go that's right <laughs> well um so one, one of the ways that we became connected was through the song your song that just released at the time that we're recording this fortune teller hmm. and i feel like this gives a little maybe kind of into your your spirituality now and has some critique in it too and i'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit about that song um we we haven't even asked you if we can should play music um anywhere on here so if if that's something you're open to we can definitely insert that in yeah okay awesome let the people hear Uh, the music i want them to go go download it and stream it so yes (laughs) We'll, we'll, we'll make sure we insert a little clip from that song if that's okay with you absolutely um, but yeah, tell, can you tell us just a little bit about that song and like why it's released the way it is and, <laughs> and what's going on with it? Because I loved it. Thank you for writing it. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you like it. It is so far very polarizing. People either are giving it, you know, the full five star rating or zero and it's blasphemous and, you know, mm-hmm. a sign of... The, That's the best the, kind of song. Yeah, the, yes. the end right. is near. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's... Uh, originally, I, I started writing it as a response to... Well, when you leave evangelicalism and you've been in it your whole life, uh, or, or really any high demand, borderline cult uh, religion, um, you you're bound to have a whole lot of conversations with people out the on the way out the door, right? Like folks trying to correct you, fix you, 
especially when you're queer, like you, you're, they've got all straight people have all the answers for queer people. It turns out, you oh, know, yes. um, <laughs> <laughs> who knew? Yeah. Who Thank knew? So um, they've got every verse you, you could possibly need. And, and, um, so, uh, uh, eventually I just got to the point where it was a little tedious and exhausting having these conversations over and over again. And I knew what was, I knew what they were going to say. I know the playbook. I know the six verses they're going to quote at me. And, um, and, 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 and it, it wasn't for a lack of having already done all of that processing myself, you know, and, and, and within the community that I, that I had been in, right? Like I had already done all that work. It wasn't like, I think people like would come to me and think, oh, I've got new information for you that will change your mind <laughs> about why you're, you know, you're going off into this direction. And I'm like, that, that was that was three years ago, sis. Like I, <laughs> I, I deconstructed that a long time ago. Like I looked into the Greek and the Hebrew on that verse and that kind of thing. So um, I, this song was originally kind of written as a response to those repetitive, tedious conversations. And I just had that idea of like, I'm a fortune teller. I know every word you're going to say kind of thing. Uh-huh. And that's, that's the, you know, the opening line of it. And, um, and then it kind of, as I continued writing as songs often do, um, they take on a life of their own and they become about more than you even know at the time. Right. And, and I think the song is really ultimately about queer wisdom and the, the, what we gain from living in the world, living in a queer body in the world and um, having to interact and navigate spaces that are not welcoming to us. Um, don't understand us, want us to be something else. And uh, so every verse in there is, you know, it's a very metaphorical song, obviously. Uh, I'm not really a fortune teller, nor am I a scientist <laughs> or a, uh, you know, what, what time traveler is one of the things. Um, so, but but I felt like these were all metaphors that kind of helped convey uh, my experience as a queer person who has something to offer the church in particular, right? Like I have been involved in the church for 40 years most of that as some sort of leader, you know, in some sort of leadership capacity. And, um, and I've learned a lot from having to navigate that world as a queer person. And I think that I, I, and every other queer person who comes from, from religion, from, from wherever we are, like we, we've learned ways and and we, and we have knowledge to offer and we have, um, Mm -hmm. uh, we, we can help, chart a path forward to something better for people if they would give us that opportunity, if they would give us that chance and listen and open their hearts. And so that's kind of what this song was ultimately about. And it's also, you know, there is a critique in there and there's a little bit of um, like uh, accepting the reality of, of what, of what our world is right now. Um, And, you know, the, 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 we kind of close on the, the lyric is, um, uh, I'm I'm a I'm a oh I can't even remember my own lyric. It says I'm I'm an ethical fraud. You know, like yeah. that's that's the I'm an ethical fraud. I I like there's there's no deception happening here. We know I'm a drag queen. We know what I'm doing. Like it's I'm not trying mm-hmm. to deceive anyone. Um, but it's it's and then and then I go I go on to sing. Uh, but this world's not ready for an allegory, right? And that's the unfortunate you know, thing I have found to be really true for a lot of people is that 
they hear the words drag queen Christian artist and man, do they jump to a conclusion? <laughs> they yeah. have, they have already decided who I am, what I'm about before listening to my record, before getting to know me as an artist. Um, you know, they're just not ready for an allegory. And, mm-hmm. uh, but some people are, you know, some folks are, and that's, those are the folks that I'm here for. And that's why I do what I do. And, um, if I can make space for, for queer people in particular in high demand religious places, like that's, that's my mission. That's what I want to be about. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's amazing. And, um, you, you shared kind of in the previous question too, about kind of doing Jesus work and like what, what you perceive or what you, what you believe Jesus, um, is asking us to do, um, now in our lives. That seems to really kind of correspond with that. Um, and, and especially, writing as a queer person and helping queer people value value their own gifts and then helping the larger community value their gifts strikes me as just so worthwhile. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little more about how the life of Jesus or the spirit of Jesus or whatever kind of words you would use um, prompts you or if, if that's something that's important to you mm. in your own um, songwriting journey. Yeah, you know, I... I left Jesus behind for a long time. Um, Jesus was too intertwined in my, in my experience and in my mind with evangelicalism. And I couldn't, I I was not one of the people who could easily like see the good or the value in Jesus and what Jesus had to say while, um, you know, sifting through the chaff, so to speak, and, and getting rid of all the toxic uh, religion that gets, you know, pinned on to Jesus. Um, so for a long time, I just kind of, I, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't about any of it. And um, I would say it's only been really in recent years that I have started to, not just with Jesus, but even other, other Bible stories, um, things that, you know, are still in my bones from my childhood stories. I'll never be able to forget um, kind of extract pieces and extract bits that, um, are still meaningful to me and still, um, feel like they have something to say about the, the, the spiritual experience in 2023. Um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, Jesus and the prophets in particular too, I mean, like they are revolutionary people Mm -hmm. who did Mm -hmm. radical things in their time, things that were not accepted things that were judged things that were um you know turned heads and made people gawk and um (laughs) end times theology wasn't necessarily a thing uh, in jesus's day but i have a feeling that if it had been people would have said would have said oh the the end of days are near this this (laughs) this uh teacher this rabbi is going around and and you know doing crazy stuff so um in that regard, I really relate. <laughs> Am yeah. I? Did I just compare myself to Jesus? Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> uh oh. But I, I do. I, I relate to the mission that Jesus had, and um, and and the mission that the prophets had to like stand in their culture, right? Not to not to um, detach from it, but to stand within their culture, to operate within their culture, to love and embrace and just hold their culture while also speaking back to it and saying, this is unjust. You are doing harm. (laughs) We can do better. Um, So I, uh, I I do, I, especially in, in, in recent years, I've started to draw inspiration from Jesus and from those stories again. Yeah. 
That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, um, it's so uh, it's interesting because we are living in such um, strange or and disturbing times, especially uh, you know politically. A lot of evangelical Christians are um, and conservative Christians have decided, sort of seems willy nilly, they've just decided that the biggest threat um, to to our to our country and to our our faith uh, and to our values, the biggest threat is it's not gun violence. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, drag Queens. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you, you are now enemy public enemy number one, <laughs> nice. uh, just by virtue of who you are. <laughs> and, um, so I'm just curious, um, are there, any, are there any like specific things? Like, have you, I'm sure you've heard a lot of negative things. Um, and, and that's not, wouldn't be a surprise, but, um, you know, you, I know you're, you're touring, you have an album, you know, you're trying to get your music out there. Um, have you, Talk to any young people who identify with you and where you're at. Um, have you heard anything? You know, have you had people come up to you and, and thank you for what you're doing? And I'm just curious, uh, what are the positive reactions you've got? And um, and I'm wondering if you're playing live shows, where? Like, who's who's opening their doors to you? And if someone <laughs> wanted to see you, like, where would they find you? <laughs> uh, yeah, these are these are fascinating questions. Um, because they are, they occupy my mind on a daily basis. Um, yes, I, so I, I think it's important to point out that for every, you know, uh, awful comment that I get, and I get a lot of them, um, a lot of the, the abomination comments, a lot of the end times blasphemer stuff. Um, yeah. There are several, many more um, that are from people who are finding the music, you know, Thank, thankfully, because all these conservatives are up yep. in arms about what I'm doing, other folks yep. are finding my music and they are are coming and telling me. I mean, the the, the thing the things I hear the most frequently are probably, um, I, I feel seen and safe listening to your yeah. music. And then another, yeah, another one that I hear is, um, you know, I I I left church and and never thought about, never considered. Uh, coming back or, or even like listening to Christian music or anything like that again. And you've given me a new perspective, like a new way to a new entry point into this world that I thought I would never come back to, which is wild. Like, because uh, you know, the, one of the biggest criticisms I get from people is that I'm, you know, leading, leading folks astray. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to have I'm, the verse about the millstone around your neck. Like everyone quotes that one at me, like you're going to pay extra for, the way that you were leading folks away from God. And I'm, I just want to like screenshot all of those and be like, um, here's a whole mess of people who like had already left God and, yes. uh, and you're bringing them back. Alleg- them allegedly. Back. Yeah. yeah are, allegedly yeah. are considering or reconsidering that um, because yes. of my music. So um, I don't know. Am I doing your work for you, evangelicals? Like, <laughs> <laughs> now, who's who's driving who's driving people away? Really? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Who's really doing ministry yeah. around here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this 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 series, this theme that we're in right now, is called Two Fab for Florida. And I have a question for you concerning Mr. Ron. DeSantis, if you bumped into this man out in the public <laughs> and you had an opportunity to say something to him, uh, especially given his agenda that's so focused on, you know, at first it was critical race theory and now it seems to be more focused on the LGBTQ plus community. Um, you know, he's just grasping for straws to do whatever he can to remain 
relevant. Mm. But what would you say to this man, or would you say anything at all to him? <laughs> the face says it all. <laughs> no pressure. No I, pressure. I, you know, I that's it's a really that's a really good question. I um, I mean, I like to think that if people sat down with me, we could get somewhere, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I I think that all the time about these comments that I get from folks who are just, you know, mouthing off, don't know a thing about me. And I was like, if we sat across the table, I I bet we could get somewhere. I'm not, not that I could change their minds or whatever, but they would, they would at least stop calling me demonic. Right. I feel like I could get people to understand that I'm, I'm not demonic. (laughs) Um, so I don't know. There is a still, even at 41 years old and everything I've been through, there's still this weird, naive, like Pollyanna optimistic part of me that thinks that, um, you know, if, if we talked things Just out, talk yeah, if out. we could talk it out. Um, but honestly, I probably wouldn't because <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I would do that with a lot of people, but not with the Ron DeSantis's of the world. Um, they are yeah. like, he's on the front lines of, of the, the culture war which is stupid that we like it. I mean, why are we, Ugh, I can't even go into that. Um, And I think there's a difference too, between people who are um, just ignorant to, and I don't mean ignorant as in a derogatory, just not knowing, mm -hmm. unknowing of what you are. And because I have even evolved in my thoughts um, toward all of these things. And I think the more knowledgeable you become, the more you do evolve, if you're open to learning and understanding that evolving in your thought process is natural. I think that, that um, there's a difference between that person and the person who uses hatred for gains and Mm -hmm. um, as a, as a mechanism to gain power. Mm. And I think that's the category that I put Ronnie in. Mm -hmm. I would agree with you 100%. That's a, um, mm-hmm. when you, when you, when you're in the political game that deep, um, you know what you're doing and, yes. uh, and, and you can even see how it's played out in his campaign. Um, you know, he got backlash from his own party about how hard he was going against LGBTQ issues and kind of pulled back a yeah. little bit. Um, so it's just, it's all political posturing for sure. And so that's why like a conversation with Ron DeSantis is like, I mean, it'd be, yeah, you're just. The only thing he cares about is his his career and then his agenda that he can accomplish with that career. So I'm not, that's not the person I'd want to spend my time talking yeah. to. This is yeah. not someone who would choose to understand. Correct. Yeah, he's not listening. He, does, he doesn't want to understand. That's part of the deal, right? When he's made up his mind already that he knows who you are and, and, and people like you who you are and that you're a threat. <clears throat> and so... And, and and again, it's more politically advantageous for him. To yes, be. it goes. Yes, it would be against his best interest mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> to to sit down and listen and change his mind about it. Yeah. But that's you know what I've noticed. But that, but it's a good point, though. And you, I think you alluded to that in your response that um, I, I also, you know, went through and I was kind of raised um, in Texas, you know, conservative Christian, voted straight ticket Republican, listened to Rush Limbaugh, member of the NRA, the whole thing. And I had to go through all my stuff and get, you know, uh, outgrow all of that garbage. And and when I, it took me a while to turn the corner on the LGBTQ issue as well. And um, one of the things that really helped me was doing exactly what you just said, sitting down with people who were gay or queer or trans 
and hearing their story, learning to sit down and listen to them. This is the thing that's so powerful is, is that whenever you other someone, right? Mm-hmm. And it can be anything. It can be race. It can be homeless people. It can be Muslims. It can be immigrants. It can be anyone who's just not like you, right? Um, when you other them, you know, it allows you, as long as you don't really know anyone in that group of people that you're othering, it makes it easier for you to say all blank people are this way. And you can, you, you can say those things and fully be convinced that that is true. Right. Um, but until you actually sit down and meet them and listen to them and know their names, you know, you've looked in their eye long enough to remember what color it is and you've heard their story. Suddenly it's a lot harder, you know, and I've experienced that with, with, uh, my friends who are gay and trans and queer. Uh, I've experienced that with people that were Muslims or people that were homeless or, you know, people of other faiths. And, um, it's such a powerful thing to be able to do that. Right. Um, but you have to be willing to sit down and listen. You have to be willing to say, I might be wrong. Um, I'm going to put that aside. And what I think what I've, what I've discovered is that they're just like us, right? There is more in common. We have more in common that we have, uh, differences about, you know, and I want to say the, my, my gay and queer and trans, uh, friends, um, who are, who are Jesus followers, I see Christ in them way more than I think I've ever seen in my straight friends because they have suffered so much from the pulpit, from family members, right? From friends who reject them. And I've seen them with tears in their eyes, forgive those people and love those people and choose to believe the best about those people. Um, and I've just, I've been in awe. It's just amazing to me. So, um, I'm not sure there's a question in there. I just, <laughs> I'm just curious. Like, you know, I, I think, I think it's so important though, to take the time and listen uh, to people like yourself, people who aren't people um, who are, can, can help us see that those things think we're afraid of um, that they're illusions. I want to say something on the piggyback that another reason why I think they choose not to understand or would not engage in a conversation with someone like our fabulous friend flaming here is plausible deniability. Yes. Um, <laughs> if you, you know, like you said, they don't have someone in their immediate circle. Right. And they could, they could put everybody in that bucket and in that box. Cause they, you know, they can maintain that as long as they don't have a personal relationship with someone like flaming grant, then they could, they could, they could continue to put everyone in that box and they don't have to make an exception for it for someone like that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To say, well, they know they can give that broad stroke. They could brush everything with that broad stroke and they don't have to say, well, except for Flaming Grant over here, I admit. Right. That they are all right. <laughs> they don't have to do that. <laughs> right. yeah. 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 You know. Exactly. Yeah. So have you had that experience? Have you sat down with some friends? Um, have you, do you think you've changed minds of some people who have prejudged you and then, uh, after spending some time with you, have changed their mind, or, or oh, yeah. I'm guessing maybe even someone who befriends you first and then finds out that you're gay and then says, "Oh my gosh, you're not what I thought." <laughs> well, the the people who in the world who no longer know I'm gay are few and far between at this point. But <laughs> along the way, along the way, yes, yeah. um, I mean it's it's that's been my experience the whole time is that um, in relationship with folks it's just a different, it's, it's just a different, uh, there's a different dynamic. And so it's 
you know, I'll change very few minds uh, in YouTube comment sections. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which is why I don't course. bother. Uh, I, I right. don't. I don't bother um, usually in those. Uh, that feels like a waste of my time. But um, as an artist, I can create art. Uh, I can. Yeah. I can create music and write and 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 share my vision for the world that way. And that has an impact. And then yes, in my day to day life, I can build relationships with folks who, uh, you know, since the first person I came out to, I've seen, I've seen how the relationship can transform, um, that person's previously held, um, ideas about what queerness is, um, and open them up to the possibility that, maybe, maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe there's more to this than I had previously supposed. Yeah. I mean, honestly, one of the most beautiful and surprising things to me was when I did finally change my mind, turn the corner on this issue and realize like, yeah, it's okay to be who you are. And, you know, there's, that's not an abomination. It's not a sin. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, And I'm a writer. So I was blogging about it. I wrote about it. I spoke about it. Um, the, the crazy and beautiful and amazing, shocking thing, surprising thing that happened when I did that was that there were these people in my life that were friends of mine. I did not doubt their, their love for God. I did not doubt their faith in Christ. Um, and then, but then what's funny was after I became someone who was safe and I was affirming, all of a sudden I got these invitations. Hey, can we go to lunch? Can we go to coffee? Can we have dinner? Can I come over? And, and then they would come out to me and say, Hey, I'm trans. And I had no idea mm-hmm. or, Hey, I'm gay. And I was like, what? Or, Hey, I'm bisexual. I, you know, I've, I've had uh, attraction to both sexes, you know, since I was nine years old, like I never knew. And so the funny thing was I was already friends with so many people like that. I just didn't know that they were yeah. because they knew that at, at that, at that point I wasn't safe, right. To talk to, they couldn't be who they really were. But once they realized, Oh, Keith's cool now <laughs> I can, I can be my full self. That was such a beautiful conversation to see them really just show me the rest of them, who they really were. Um, and that was really, really beautiful. Yeah. It makes me, you know, just empathetic and and honestly a little sad for the folks who have, who are in that, that place, right? They're, they're not a yeah. safe person for their queer folks yes. in their life and they have queer folks in their life and they don't even know it. And they don't even know it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. All right. Well, Flamey, tell us, um, where is the best place for people to follow you, to find you, to download your music? Tell, tell us everything about where, where you are and how to listen. Yeah. Um, which reminds me that to, to answer the question you asked earlier, Keith, about uh, who, who do I play for? Who, like, who is, oh, yeah. who's hosting a drag <laughs> yeah. queen? Who's um, opening the doors? <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, Listeners, it's yes. An, it's an eclectic, it's, I have an eclectic tour, touring schedule. You, you might find me <laughs> at a uh, American Baptist church on a Sunday morning and then at a you know drag club Sunday night like it's it's cool. <laughs> I'm all over the place but um I, I'm basically playing anywhere I can get booked um and and it is there are a lot of progressive churches who are calling right now and that's lovely sweet um it's it's I I'm very frequently a congregation's first encounter with a drag performer right uh-huh. that is like a thing that I feel I've now got I, I should put that on my resume because like I can, right. I can be the drag queen to like guide your congregation <laughs> into their first drag experience. I've done there that enough go. now. Um, <laughs> but I also love playing music clubs and, and listening rooms. And that's, you know, the, those are my favorite shows um, are really are getting to just go to places where people want to hear music 
And, yeah. and there in those spaces, it feels more like I'm a singer songwriter who happens to be in drag, you know, and it right. is, it's a facet, it's a feature of what I do and what I sing about and everything. But um, I, I, I hope that at the end of all this, I am remembered as a singer songwriter who happened to be in drag. Right. Um, uh, so anyway, all that said, uh, my tour schedule is on my website, flamygrant.com. And my music is anywhere you're streaming music. So Spotify, yeah. Apple, um, you know, Pandora, Amazon, all of it. And yep. yeah, I, I like Instagram the best. That's my favorite social media. So if you're an Instagram person, uh, follow me there. I'm also on all of the others, but I am less consistent with the, you know, the TikTok and the Twitter and or X or whatever. And um, yeah. yeah, so uh, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I'm a fan. Uh, Thank you. Love, love you and your music. And so excited that we got a chance to talk to you uh, and to hear your story. And I encourage all of our listeners, go out there, download, spend that 99 cents. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like please. I guess, I guess two thousand. <laughs> just thinking yeah. of it as you're just tipping a, tipping a queen at a drag bar. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Blamey. Thank you all. Well, that's how you kick off uh, a series again. Uh, so so amazed and, and thrilled and, and uh, frankly shocked that we were able to get Flamey Grant. Yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, very excited. And yeah, please go check out her music. Uh, if you have a chance to see her on tour, you got to do it. You got to check it out. And uh, Flamey, thank you so much for being our co-host. I'm really sad. I I forgot to ask Flamey about First Corinthians seven nine about being oh. a flame with passion. If there, were, if there was any commentary, because I feel like I could commission a song about this. It's probably her life verse. I wrote paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs about that verse. So. Shonda, where were you? Oh, I am so sad. I missed it. Um, but like I said, having shared uh, Flamey's sheets is is good enough for me. <laughs> That's claim to fame right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> There's so many ways you could go with them sheets. So, yes. So if you love the fact that we share sheets with celebrities like Flamey Grant, we would love for you to rate and review our podcast wherever it is you listen to podcasts. It makes such a difference to us connecting with folks who are in the deconstructing and reconstructing and transforming spaces. Um, it is how people like you connect with people like us. Um, I want you to everyone to write a review, take a screenshot of it, and then come and post it in Heresy After Hours, which is our free, free, free Facebook group. Uh, we have jokes, we have memes, we have conversations, we tell you everything that's going on with the podcast and a lot more. Um, so we hope you can join us there, Heresy After Hours. And it's so fitting that we recorded that with Flamey on Halloween. Yeah, we did. Oh, it made it like more special. Oh, that's right. Such a delightful person and personality. Yeah.